joining Lisa, us. Lisa, do you give a fuck about the FBI? I do not. Lisa, do you give a fuck about the CIA? I do not. Lisa, do you give a fuck about LSD? I do not. I especially do not give a fuck about LSD. Lisa, Thank do you, you give a fuck asking. about anything? I do. I love oh, you. Just Phil. <laughs> hey, hey, you're my brother, Aaron. Look, mommy, there's snow played up in the sky. another episode of Yeah Aha with Aaron, Lisa, and Phil. This episode of Aaron's Audio Edibles is a riot girl revolt in a way as I have taken control of the proceedings and will be deciding who says what and when. Honey, based on that script, it says G-R-R-R-L. Yeah. Should I have growled it? You can. Okay. Yeah. Riot. Oh, <laughs> let me try harder. It's more of a purr. Girl. But Riot Better? Girl probably works this Okay. Well. Yeah. In case you're wondering, Philip wrote my script for me so that I could take over. Um, Got it. Okay. Aside from that major improvement, we will abide by the dudes, Aaron's rules, for an audio edibles as always. Main premise, one of, one of which is the album in question must be something Phil has never heard before. So it's kind of like one of those reaction YouTube videos in which millennials or rap fans listen to a song or album from ages gone by and entertain you with a sense of wonder and surprise over how terrific old stuff could be. Only in this instance, replace hip youngsters with a crusty old middle-aged man. <laughs> he wrote the script who missed them even when they were new. Uh, per dude's rules, the album must be presented in its original form or as close as possible, meaning no extra tracks, re-releases, remixes, and no lobbying by the panelists, no matter how much we love them, for the inclusion of music not on the original record. Finally, our panelists have ranked the tracks one to last, with one being the best song or their favorite, and the last being a pile of hot garbage, or at least their least favorite. Aaron will put all the results into his impossibly complicated but deadly accurate database to come up with our celebrated banger of the podcast. Insert banger sound effect here. Well, well, that that their song right there is a real banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. <laughs> 
Google yeah. Sheet. It's just a Google Sheet. Yeah, I know. It's just a Google Sheet. I know. We know. We're trying to build. I'm, yeah. I'm dropping in some seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Aaron, quit raining on Phil's parade. <laughs> With all that done, let us introduce to our guest this week. We have the pleasure of being joined again by Mike Hilbig, one of our all-time favorites. <laughs> Mike is the author of Judgment Day and the Other White Lies, a fantastic book that can be purchased at Madville Publishing. Mike is also lead guitarist of the post-bunk band Big Fan out of his hometown, Houston, Texas. Most important, Mike has become a good friend to Yaaha and a great contributor to our musically oriented shows. Welcome, Mike. Uh, what can you tell us about the album you have brought tonight? Um, so I brought Independent Worm Saloon by the Butthole Surfers, and uh, I think it's just uh, it's sort of it sort of uh, marks a shift in their career. Like I think like their, their earlier stuff was much more sort of. Uh, well, they have they have sort of different. Every album is very different. But their their earlier stuff sort of is uh, a little bit more arty and 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 weird. This is like sort of their first sort of, I believe, like foray into sort of making a pop sensible album. And uh, it, but it still has all the characteristic weirdness of the Butthole Surfers. Uh, not quite as noisy as some of the earlier stuff, but pretty noisy. So I just I just really like this album and and thought we should dissect it. That's basically. Uh, yeah. Do we want to do a little bit about the band first? Or? Let's do a little bit about the band. Yeah. Okay. Because they are from okay. Mike's uh, home state. The yeah. band was formed in 1980. Oh, hun, why don't you do that part? Okay. Well, yeah, I'll start here. Uh, the band was formed in 1981 and from San Antonio, Texas. Um, Independent Worm Saloons, their sixth studio album. Um, I, I guess, uh, the, the most, uh, famous member of the band is probably Gibby Haynes because he's like a really good interview. You know, he's very charismatic, um, kind of, kind of crazy, you know, the stream of consciousness type of guy. He grew up in Texas with a father who actually, uh, was on a television show, a kid's television show. Uh, so he kind of grew up around entertainment. So he's he really read into the, uh, um, characterization of, of this stuff so um the sound of the band is sort of uh you know it's hard to define because it's so diverse you know uh the drunk <laughs> the guar white zombie ministry who uh actually gibby performed with 
um, on, a, on a particular track that uh, Aaron mentioned to us earlier before we started here. Uh, I even heard some like cream and some rockabilly. Now, if I may interject here, I believe that what it means when there are that many references to a band's style, that means they are their own style. Yeah, I'd say. In my I opinion. Agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is the, the yeah. members of the band are Gibby Haynes, Paul Leary, who's a guitarist, King Coffee on drums, and Teresa Nova, who seems to be uh, a platonic member that would come, you know, join them, join them, then leave them, then come back again. So now, didn't I see something about a female member of this band having passed away recently? I don't know. Yeah, the, their drummer did. Uh, that was her, Teresa Nova. Yeah, Teresa Aww. Nova. Yeah. Okay. Aww. So sadly, uh, her yeah. most recent exit from the band won't be, will probably be permanent. Be the last. Yes. <laughs> um, the, the name of that song, by the way, was Jesus Built My Hot Rod. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, the song that Gibby did with Ministry. Ministry. Uh -huh. One thing that I found interesting uh, is that Jello Biafra, uh, I don't know if he discovered them, but he did offer them a contract on the Alternative Tentacles label. Label. Um, hmm. Did he do an album? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he appeared on any albums, but I know he produced a couple of them, I, I believe. Yeah, of course, Jello from the Dead Kennedys, which we covered on our episode about the Dead Kennedys. Uh, Fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. They went through a number of different names in their incarnation. Uh, last fact that I would that I found interesting uh, about Gibby that I'll bring up at least was uh, that he was playing with Johnny Depp at the club or the night River Phoenix uh, died. I guess in the alley of that club or out in front of it in Los Angeles. The Viper Room. The Viper Room, yeah. So he was the act that night, or he was in the act that night. I don't know. I guess it was just a gig he was doing with Depp, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, there's a lot more to their history. That's a very disjointed uh, hodgepodge of uh, notes that I had. But, I, you know, it's kind of get gives it a little bit of where they're coming from with this band, which is really from all directions. And this album is representative of that. Yeah, they were in the first Lollapalooza tour, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, they might. Yeah, and um, I saw Gibby naked at the last show of the second Lollapalooza tour when the Eddie Vedder and Anthony Cadis pantsed him on stage. Nice. That's that's my yeah no Gibby I, trivia. So you yeah, no, I, I saw the Butthole Surfers at well South by Southwest at like four o'clock in the morning in somebody's backyard, which was pretty nice. fun actually. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Somebody's yeah, back. <laughs> yeah, we were we were heading home. Like we'd been out since like noon that day. And it's like you know one or two in the morning, and we get a text message like we're walking home. And like it was like butthole surfers. This was this was, man. It's probably been like ten years at this point. But it was like well after their sort of heyday. Um, 
but yeah, they were like playing a house party in somebody's backyard, and we got to see them at like four in the morning. It was pretty fun. That's I mean, they glorious. were they were not they were not they were not great at that point, but they were like you know it was still fun seeing the butthole servers in somebody's backyard at four o'clock. Yeah, in the morning. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, even fun. if they're not at their nader, it's yeah. still you know cool to see one of your favorite bands, right? Or even just a band you really know well. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially because you might even actually be able to talk to one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't remember talking to any of them, but it was also super late, and it's you know, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. tired and 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 probably a little bit drunk or whatever, you know, just like yeah, thanks. hanging you out, hanging out all day. Yeah, yeah, but but they, it was it was fun. It was a cool experience to see them. Like like we were like we were dead tired. We were like ready to turn in for the night, and then it's like. Well, I guess we have to see this. <laughs> so we went. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I think even I would let my friends drag me to something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read that um they only had one song that ever really it might have been Pepper that entered like the top 100 uh on mm-hmm. the charts or something at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Aaron mentioned that earlier, so mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and when when she said she knew she had there was one butthole surfer song that she liked and it's not on this album, I said, oh, that's probably Pepper. The sun sometimes the it shows. I can taste you on my lips and smell you in my clothes. Cinnamon and sugar and softly spoken lies. You never know just how to look through other people's eyes. Right. Yeah, that's, that's like. Well, was, oh, go, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was trying to get Alexa to play the uh, the album, Alexa, and stop. she was playing music by them, but not the album. And there was one song that I, there were two songs that I liked actually, but neither of them was on this album. So interesting. Yeah, I think they. they I mean, I think they were sort of symbolic of like sort of. Um, in the early in the early mid nineties or whatever, like this album, I think is ninety three, and and Pepper was on Electric Larryland, which was ninety six, I think. But they were, you know, they were sort of uh, they were given some sort of celebrity status after like you know a long career of people really liking them in the underground. So I think they were like sort of um, like the early nineties, mid nineties was sort of an interesting time where really weird stuff kind of got you know mainstream appeal, and I think they're sort of emblematic of that in some ways like like the fact that a band called the butthole servers who did mostly like weird noise like drug themed music like got really famous for like half a second in the mid 90s is like that was like kind of the only time that a band like them could have been famous so it's sort of an interesting uh interesting thing about them i guess yeah yeah i i will say this also what i find fun about the research i was doing with our uh our um our assistant is um every time I asked for the band by name, she beeped it. So it's pole <laughs> surfers. <laughs> yeah, right. Um so I, I saw this interview, I was telling Aaron, I saw this interview that Wayne Coyne was conducting with Gibby Haynes. And during that interview, they talked about very much about the stars they had met and like they'd met the Rolling Stones and they had uh, met uh you know, just different artists in the business, but they were talking about it from the perspective as if they were not famous themselves. So I felt like they, they seemed to 
maintain a uh, sense of, uh, you know, knowing where they came from. And we're very much kind of awestruck by some of the uh, people that came across, not the least of which was John Paul Jones, who, who actually produced this album of Led Zeppelin. So that was of extreme interest to me. Um, and I have some quotes here about when, uh, you know, they're from, uh, is it Paul Leary? Is that the the guitarist? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's just Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, when he met Jones, uh, you know, he said, uh, oh, John fucking Paul Jones. He said, uh, the words exploded out of Paul's mouth. Larry talks in torrents, words fumbling over each other in a rush to get past the native Texan's tongue. We were in the process of trying to pick producers that were interested, and it was going to be really tough to pick one and tell the others, hey, sorry, but I picked this guy instead. And then somebody at Capitol suggested we try John Paul Jones. And they, when they suggested it to us, we cracked up laughing. Oh, yeah, right. John Paul Jones is going to rush over here and produce our record. Then Columbia sent him our demo tape, and he said to it, so that made it real easy to to tell all those other producers, hey, we're not going to pick you. We got John Paul Jones. Everybody's like, oh, well, it's kind of like Pontius Pilate told you that Jesus Christ was interested in producing your record, added King, you know, King Coffee, the drummer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they were they were very much like all, you know, kind of uh, overwhelmed that that Jones did this album and uh you can you can hear his signature all over it. I think. Yeah, for for sure they they they're a band that has like every one of their albums has very different feel to it. Uh, I feel like Independent Worm Saloon is sort of their to me their opus. Like I think that's their best album, uh, mm-hmm. and it's sort of it's sort of like one of those things where they're sort of in between the sort of. Uh, like Electric Larry Land, the album that they got famous on was like sort of much more pop sensible, like in a way. But like this album sort of like captures the early period of that band and like the later period in like sort of is their transition into a different kind of sound than, you know, what they'd been doing before that. So I think that this album's really, yeah. to me, their best album. It's pretty great. Yeah. So it's their second on Capitol Records. And the other thing was like, okay, we've made it. We're on the same record label that the Beatles once were before Apple, I guess. Um, so that's kind of where they stood. You know, they, I remember once again, this was another one where I probably saw the only thing I knew about it was Beavis and Butthead. I remember they played this on Beavis and Butthead <laughs> and, and they liked this. They liked this one quite a bit, of course, and it could buttholes, you know, they could make all kinds of butthole comments. Yeah, but, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, man. Put that. Yeah. Yeah. Philip actually brought Beavis and Butthead on uh, a recordings of Beavis and Butthead to our first date. And yes, nice. still here. That was a good, that was a good call, wasn't it? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. He also had the sense to bring um, the life of Brian. Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Yeah. One of my early dates was the Beavis and Butthead movie, Do America, I think it was called. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. All right, all right, Lisa. We have to be like, I don't know. Do you guys have any more background on the band to, to shed before we dive into the album? Um. Well, like they they mentioned in their uh, in Gibby Haynes' Wikipedia page that he actually lived with Timothy Leary with Al Jorgensen uh, for ministry for some period of time. So, uh, 
you know, they're they're kind of well known for being sort of a, a you know, in the fringe sort of druggy scene sort of stuff. So like, you know, that's sort of their yeah. you know, one of their claims. claims to to Name yes. uh, claim to fame. Yeah. I think Al Jorgensen was the first one to uh, give heroin to Lane Staley. Okay. Oh, Ooh, there's something to go on in history for. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I know Gibby Gibby Haynes had a a pretty. I mean, I don't I don't know where he's at now with it, but he's he's had a pretty notorious like struggle mm-hmm. with drugs for a long time, <laughs> like you know, sort of on and off them, uh, for for a lot of years. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I found him to be pretty lucid in the uh, interviews I I uh, saw with him, and and you know. <laughs> Like, yeah, but some people can cover that. Yeah. Or maybe he was lucid for the interviews and got high after. Well, it might have expanded his mind, you know, made him. Yeah, more. maybe. Anyway. Okay. Aaron, you got something else to add? Um, no, there's some pretty crazy Gibby interviews out there. The one where they're in bed is pretty nutty. <laughs> yes and no. Yes, and in as much that. as I have. But no, in that. I haven't. <laughs> I guess that's, you know, I have one cigarette left, by the way. Just Do you, can I borrow your lighter, my friend? You don't want the cigarette? No, I have a Marlboro. They're inferior. They are inferior. I would prefer a Rothmans, if you dare. I offered you. I shall I take you up on that offer. I was confused at first, thinking that I had seen a car wreck, perhaps a cyclone, lowering itself from the ceiling, and whisping away three or four older women, like, and then their bloody heads, and then one of them got on that diner poster, and then the De Niro thing, it like, what this deal had come out of here was this tongue at Nero's mouth over here, and it had shot woo over Woody Allen, and see, they would look like they were making out on posters across the room. <laughs> okay. We'll look at that. Well, yeah, the one that I saw, the, the guy who was hosting the show, he was on, what do they call it? It wasn't Headbangers Ball, but it was... Something MTV? It was some, yeah. 120 minutes? He was trying to out... Gibby Gibby, it seemed like he was trying to be more radical than, and so maybe that, maybe um, that was a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's like a pretty smart guy. He tends to come across that way in interviews. But I've seen some stuff. Like, there's a documentary. I can't remember. I I didn't watch it in preparation for this, but I watched it several years back. And uh, there's a documentary about their early career, and and he's pretty he's he's pretty twacked out <laughs> through most of it. Uh, sort of just you know. He says smart things, but he's also like obviously very high uh, through through most mm-hmm. of that early early period of the butthole servers. Yeah, okay. I think they used to set themselves on fire a lot too because they'd put like lighter fluid in the symbols and light it and then hit it. And that's always popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so why did they call the themselves flaming the flaming buttholes? <laughs> flaming buttholes would have been a good name. Well, and accurate. Maybe that's what the flaming lips are. <laughs> exactly. Oh, never mind. Um, okay, back on track. Let's go into our track list and discuss each individual um, song. There are 17, ladies and gentlemen, so strap in. We'll bust through it. Yeah. Who was in my room last night?
since you're the guest, you can start. Okay. Um, sorry, let me pull up the track list here. Uh, yeah. So who who was in my room last night is actually I love that song. That's uh, uh, a song my band has actually been learning to play. We're gonna we're gonna cover it at future shows and stuff. But uh, it's just uh, got a really cool sort of you know starting out the album like the, this album I I feel like is like has some just really great rock riffs to it and and this album starts like starts out with this song that's got a really cool just it's just like it's yeah it's just got like a a cool riff to it it's it's a fun driving riff i I like this song a lot it's a good one yeah aaron yeah this was their big mtv first hit it's the one that phil would have seen on beavis and butthead yeah yeah and um yeah, it's a, this song's dope. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's a weird song. It's sort of like about this guy who's sort of fantasizing about some. Well, well, Phil had mentioned in our in our group chat we did prior to the episode. It's kind of got me thinking again about this album being sort of an homage to The Exorcist. But like, it's this like idea of this person just laying in bed and this like ghost or or some kind of demonic creature is haunting them. So he's like, "Who was in my room last night?" But he's probably just laying there high out of his mind like trying to right. figure out like what's going on yeah, yeah could have been paranoia you know could have been drug induced and paranoia or it could be metaphysical or it could be uh you know just uh worried about what the hell you did the night before not knowing or remembering what it was but i i love this song i mean it's like i, I don't always go for the first song on an album uh necessarily you know but uh this this one uh i think this is the best song on the album i'll just say that right off the top I could, and I, I was naturally inclined to like it because it reminded me of Sabbath, Black Sabbath. I mean, the riff on it sounded quite a bit, I won't say like Paranoid, but in the spirit of Paranoid, um, you know, I just thought it was very rich sounding and classic, uh, just really good uh, guitar riffs on it, which was a refrain throughout the, the whole thing. I, it seems like... The albums that uh, you guys have been bringing seem to have some really good, whether it's Zappa or Dead Kennedys, you know, I'm all, it seems to be a common refrain that these guitar virtuosos are really prominent. And I think Paul Leary just rips on this one. So, uh, um, yeah, we just so did yeah. a Steve Vai album too, right? Right. Yep. That's been very popular with our Aaron's Audio Audibles. I tend to think maybe that it may have been alluding to demonic possession or something, but there again, the band is so out there that, it, you know, it just as easily could be hallucinogenic, you know, hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic or something, you know, so, but yeah, I really love that one. Aaron, you want to take us into the wooden song? That's uh, number two. Well, I know it sounds strange, but it could be the other way around to the um that's i always like that one it's sort of a slower maybe a little bit even country one but yeah it's the one tell me a good one maybe i'll die lately i've been dancing and ceiling fans this song always gets stuck in my head it's it's an earworm yeah it's it's definitely uh 
it's it's interesting because the first song is super driving and that one sort of takes a step back and uh yeah, it's like acoustic yeah um and like I, th- I think like those first two songs really show their range off for like what they're doing the rest of the album which is like you know they have these like super driving guitar riffs but they also have like this 60s psychedelic sort of uh more pop thing going on in certain of the songs so they sort of switch back and forth between those and it's, it's an interesting sort of feel to the album and i think those first two songs sort of set the tone for that pretty well yeah i um i thought lyrically it was one of the stronger songs uh just like aaron alluded to the poetry of it kind of lately i've been dancing and ceiling fans you know that was kind of trippy psychedelic um i had it at number nine um you know but but still I, it was a strong when you think about it out of 17 songs that's right in the middle that's not a, that's not a bad like my boss told me when I got my uh, review, that's not a bad score. You know, <laughs> uh, you might not like, like it too much, but that's really not a bad score. I, I had it number two. Number two. Yeah. Okay. Hun, you want to start us off with some tongue? <laughs> that's what she said. Song number three, Tom. Oh, the song. Okay, you lost me there. I started daydream a little bit. Um, but there yeah. was a lot of tambourine at the beginning. Uh, uh, tongue. I noticed that. That was interesting. You know, you know, this. Uh, as Lisa would say, the cacophony of sound. You never what's. You never know what's going to come at you. But the, the tambourine at the beginning was interesting. It had sort of a crosstown traffic sound. To you know, I, I thought I always thought this was like a punk band or a post-punk band, almost exclusively. But it turns out, you know. And it's That's not just because it turns out they're a drug Jones. band. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, they're more of a, a drug band <laughs> they're psychedelic band. band. Right. Um But I do think I do think they're doing something different like like than other sort of famous psychedelic bands, right? You think of like yeah, Grateful, absolutely. Grateful Dead or some of these jam band type things, like butthole servers have a much more nihilistic like they're not the message is not like doing that kind of stuff to like get some greater inspiration. It's just sort of like we're you know, like you know. We're just gonna it's do fine. it. It's fine. Yeah, we're just gonna do it because nothing means anything sort of feel to it. So it's like uh I don't know, they're 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 sort of uh they have an update on that era of music, even though they're they're channeling it, but they're doing it in a different sort of noisy sort of way. And they they sort of have like a different sort of more nihilistic message about it. It's like uh I don't know that I agree with it, but it's interesting, like as an artistic statement. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like probably going to keep coming back to this but the flaming lips just picked up on everything that the butthole surfers were putting down yeah and they're they're another band that's like right smack in the psychedelic hard weirdness yeah for sure yeah but yeah i think of them okay. as like to cut from the same cloth you know cousins just yeah. very much Wait, first oklahoma, cousins, the oklahoma texan the way. oklahoma texan cousins makes sense so this is definitely you said you had this on your uh, MP3 player, iPod. This was I mean, regularly. I had the CD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, I can see this that. Is back in the CD days, it was in regular. Right. Put in I the slot. I had Wayne Coyne once, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was it yeah, more than uh, just a photo op or did you get a chance to talk to him at all or what? It was um just basically you just got to say hi to him. It was an album premiere where they did a special show. And then a meet and greet after. So yeah, I got a photo with Wayne. 
Oh, that's cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, you want to take chewing George Lucas's chocolate? Yeah, well, this is this is sort of like an audio clip that's pretty funny, but it's uh, you know, they're getting pulled over by the cops and they're like, What are you doing? Chewing chocolate? Like, you know, it's like uh, but it leads into Goofy's concern, which is probably actually my favorite track on the album. I just like love that. That guitar riff on that song yeah. is is really fuck is really awesome. I had to I had to rate I had to rank them like right together with each other because they yeah they're, they're the same song to me. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's also sort of I feel like they're sort of uh in a way they're sort of ethos like I don't give a fuck about the CIA I don't give a fuck yeah. about the FBI you know like they're just like they're not <laughs> doing any of this for sort of any greater sense of purpose they're just like having fun and you know like right. You should put weird. that out, man. Roll down the window. You got a cigarette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you got a song. The, the pace of the song kind of reminds you of what it might, what it kind of feels like if you uh, do get pulled over and you know you're doing something, uh, you know, that you could get arrested for or something. It's just frenetic, yeah. kind of fast. Pace. Yeah. I love the lyrics, of course. I mean, time, you know, it has to be up there with the songs that use the word "fuck" in it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It was like I, me it was the most punk. I didn't know that um, that was an actual like children's saying thing though, because Haley was one day going, "What you doing, chewing chocolate? Where'd you get it, dog? You dropped it." And it goes on and on and on for like more. And I'm like, I gotta play this song for you. There's <laughs> gonna be swearing. Yeah, <laughs> remind me of that scene from Super Troopers. Yeah, the the opening scene when they get pulled over. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so okay. I'm sorry. Hagen, Goofy's concern. So they kind of that's what Aaron was alluding yeah. to. Those two tracks kind of roll together, right? Mm-hmm. Because they 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 uh, they chewing. Yeah. Neither one of them gives a fuck about the FBI nor the CIA, right? Nor LSD nor anything. Except yeah, the last line is all I ever give a fuck about is you. So it's yeah. kind of a love song then when you think about it. Mm. A ballad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they have they have like other songs on the album are sort of like uh, are are like obs- like their their love songs are fairly obsessive. Like I'm trying to think of like what's a good example. Uh, like uh, like like dog inside your body is like sort of like a you know like a interesting sort of if you he's like got you by the throat gonna feel your fear you know like sort of like. Uh, he, he has these like sort of they're not really love songs is not the way, best way to put them but there's something in the love song genre and I feel like uh, they do a lot of that sort of obsessive weird like kind of creepy um, idea of 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 love as obsession I guess is like kind of the way that I, that I would think of it yeah yeah well Lisa reminded me I want to I want to roll it back t- just for yeah. a second to Goofy's concern or yeah because uh, it or more specifically uh, chewing George Lucas's chocolate because it reminded me of an incident. I think Aaron was with me and Richard. Richard was our friend who came back and forth from Loveland. And uh, every once in a while, we would go up to Loveland because Richard said you could score some good you know, weed. weed up there. 
So we went up there and I think he got a lot, like a, like enough that you could get in trouble with, you know, like an ounce, like an ounce. you know. And it was during the day. It was like a Saturday afternoon or no big deal. It was like June or something like that. And we started, we did, we took the back roads because I didn't like driving the highway. I felt like to get to this part of Cincinnati, you have to take, go way out of the way. And, it, you know, I, I take the back way, cut straight line right up to Loveland. But when we came back, we went to this little village where there's a train that comes across the track, right? Across the road. And a train came right as we got there. And it was the longest fucking train I ever saw in my life. It went for like 15 to 20 minutes. And like a minute after we stopped there, this cruiser parked right behind us, <laughs> right behind us on our tail. And just it was the most anxious moments of my life sitting there thinking, holy shit, you know, this guy's got nothing else to do but to run these tags. And by the way, I think this is my mom's car. It's not in my name. He might, you know, use an opportunity just yeah. to spot you check. Don't, you don't look well, like not- a Lois. Yeah, 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 you don't well, look like he might look like a Lewis, but to be fair, he probably came off as around like twelve years old. Well, we look like a bunch you of look Beavis way and younger than your age. We look like we might not be old enough to drive, really, yeah. to be quite honest with you. So that song reminded me of that when I heard it too. So, were you, do you remember that, Aaron? Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Well, if you remember it, you might not remember lots of moments like that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. If you remember it, you probably weren't there. <laughs> I'm sorry to to go back, roll back no, the time. No, no. That's, uh, I thought that, that was I of... thought that was an interesting anecdote. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about alcohol. I, I actually, I mean, like it's this album's so good. It's probably I think I have it ranked number. I'd say it's five a son of a bitch. Five off. or six, but like, uh, but like this uh, this song is really great. I mean, it's like it really feels like getting drunk, like in a, in a in a you know sort of like when you're drinking to just avoid your problems. Like it's just like got this like strange slurry sort of sound to it, and uh, and it, you know yeah, it's 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 like the sound of getting drunk as there's an alcohol bump bump. Uh, you know, like it's like a, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, this is God damn it. I'm going insane. It kind of feels like, you know, if you've ever gotten extremely drunk, like that's sort of like how this song feels. It's called alcohol. It's pretty good. Pretty good one. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've found myself at home in the morning with absolutely no idea how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like Gibby's lyrics. It seems like it's your home. he's being intentionally sloppy mm-hmm. when he's saying yeah. alcohol, you know, and it, yeah, it's just like, it, it's uh, the, it's a visceral, you know. Everybody knows it who's ever been falling down drunk before. You know, you get to that point. Yeah, I have it ranked number five. I thought, I mean, that's pretty high for. It's yeah. got like it's a good score. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, like that's it, a really a good. good that's better than that last son of a bitch that was in here. So yeah, I've got a, I've got it number five as well. Yeah, yeah, so it's 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 up there in the in the songs of this album. It's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, kind of incongruous, discordant. You know, I could see this I, like your four o'clock thing. I could see this being very popular. I had it number eight, but I could see it moving up or down. Yeah, I can see Belushi singing that in Animal House. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's got the it's got the fun like Gibby sort of alludes to this earlier time in music in a lot of his lyrics, like that. Hey, hey, baby, don't you? You know, like like it's like 
he does this mm-hmm. like earlier rock and roll thing, but like an update on it that's like sort of strange and again druggy and weird and sort of nihilistic. But he's still doing those sort of same. I, f- I feel like this song is an example of that, like like that hey that hey hey part. You know, it's like that's kind of like similar to like lyrics in like yeah. early 1950s rock and roll songs. You know, but he's like changing the way that it's the context in which it's presented, which is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great dog inside your body. alluded to this before as something of a uh, love song but it's something in an obsessive way yeah i mean it's it, mm-hmm. this song is like is is pretty i mean i think it's it's kind of creepy and and effed up in a way but it's also sort of sexy and like uh the the vocal on it really remind like if we're talking about jello biafra like sort of discovering the butthole surface like this song reminds me of like how the vocal effect is on his voice and like buzz bomb is a song that i could think of but it's got this like really high-pitched weird vocal thing he's doing uh which obviously has like some kind of like you know synthesizer effect on it and uh it's it's a cool song i like this song it's it's an interesting strange uh strange love song but not really love because it's sort of creepy and obsessive but like that's kind of what he's channeling i feel like yeah yeah aaron what do you think yeah, I I love this song. I never really knew the words before. You never leave a note. You got a dog inside your body. It's got you by the throat. Okay. Yeah. Honey? I, f- I feel like it's got a, kind of a thrash metal, inf- you know, intro. Aaron, since he likes it, he might not like my reference there, but I thought so. But mm-hmm. the guitar feedback and vocals give it kind of a threatening Nine Inch Nails or Marilyn Manson feel. Um, I really love you. I want to feel your pain. The dog seems to be something that like eats at a person and needs to get out. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I, I like this one. I had this like a number, I think I had a number seven, which Steve Vai would like. He put that thing on a, on a big album or collection, number sevens. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I had been at 12, but I mean, like, I love, I love this whole album. So it's not, you know, like it's, there's no throwaway tracks really on this album to me, I, I feel like. It rocks pretty much start to finish, so uh, it's not necessarily a, indicative of, of it being a weaker track, even though it's farther down on my ranking list of other songs I like more. But it, you know, it's just it's a good track, though. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it did a bad job. It just other songs did yeah. a slightly better job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had yeah. eleven. It looks like. Yeah. But you see how, like today, I sent out three versions of my list. That's because this song moved up. Actually, that's that's okay. the song that moved up when I heard it. My last. I was cutting grass today. I was giving it my last listen, and I said, I like that a little bit better than where it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you want to take strawberries since we just had some strawberries? Too many times you try to sell and I'm dessert yeah 
so I feel like the band is very diverse. It's like it's kind of like our podcast, and that you know we do all kinds of shit. We don't just do one. Yeah. We're not. We don't stay in one lane. Right. Which so, we're working on. I was trying to figure out which new age uh, or, or uh, new wave band that this kind this song Strawberry kind of remind me of. I mean, it had the good guitar work. It had you know everything that uh, that we like about the album, but the vocals reminded me of like. I was trying to identify it. I don't think I got it, but like bad English or yeah. the verve or something. I mean, it was just like the the lyrics, the the tempo of the lyrics and everything. Never mind what he was saying. Just the sound of the voice reminded me of something from late, you know, mid to late eighties. The riff to me sounds like you took a Sonic Youth song and like yeah, some metal distortion to it. You know, like it's like uh, it it sort of has that sort of Sonic Youth sort of riff to it. It's like a or like even like Velvet this, Underground. This one and that, the like, um, Clean yeah. It Up also has a Sonic Youth vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's got like a you know like this kind of driving, but like not not necessarily drive. It's like this like staccato sort of riff. More. It's like yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, so yeah, maybe even B. I hate to say it, like B fifty twos or something. You know, like Ooh, no, yeah, that's hard that's to say. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but well, and it's it's I I like this song lyrically a lot. Uh, I I have it ranked number six, right behind alcohol. It's 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 up there for me. Um, it's it's getting into that sort of nihilistic thing. He's like ten years too young to die, but he's like he's sort of like like I don't care what you think about me, but lamenting the idea that he's not doing better at the same time. You know, like sort of uh, it's sort of this desire to do better but mixed with seeing like the futility of trying to do better like sort of vibe to the lyrics i think it's got some cool lyrics to it oh i like this one a lot yeah strawberry yeah okay some dispute over t-shirt sales time trying to get alexa to play this song it was a nightmare i tried over and over i finally gave up philip comes home just asks for it i'm like imagine which finger i'm holding up <laughs> okay so who uh who wants to start our dispute over t-shirt sales this is the one where it's basically he's singing jesus built my hot rod over different music right yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really. This is this is number four on the album for me. It's it's way up there. I, I, yeah. I love the, you know, the the whoa 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 whoa. You know, like yeah. that that part of the song. It's like just the, but yeah, it's just it's a fun, it's a fun track. Like the the, the lyrics are sort of doing this nonsense sort of thing to them, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just like really fun, and the the riff is great. It's it's a good song. Yeah. Now, at the end, is that Yiddish or uh, scat, do you think? I don't know that there are any real words in it. Okay. So it's kind of a scat. It's like a spoken, yeah, there's like some kind of spoken word uh, ending to that song. I couldn't. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're words. Yeah. That's what, you know. I don't know. Oh, Spotify doesn't have any lyrics. 
Let me see. Oh, wow, 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 That's from Strawberry, right? To me, yeah. Right. Well, no. That some some dispute over T-shirt sales. No. Um, reminded me a little bit of like uh, I hate you know we brought up Primus last time, but again I feel like this kind of reminded me of lyrically as a Primus song, but without the you know heavy the the bass wasn't quite as prominent. Yeah. You know, but. there's a lot of there's a lot of primus esque stuff in here, or at least things that made me want to shout type you bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know I can be a dancing fool. How about you? Yeah, um, let me pull up my notes on this one. Um, yeah, I, I I like this song. It, it's uh, this one, you know, Phil said earlier, sort of reminded the, the first one sort of reminded Black Sabbath. This one really has a Black Sabbath medley sort of. Uh, uh, it's kind of pixies ish too. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. But it's it's got this sort of you know metal sort of you know intro to it. It's it's a fun it's a fun song. I like this one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Aaron, you don't know me. Um, I think that's the next song title. Yeah, that's the one that I was listening and I thought I should go back to my rankings and rank that higher. And then I saw that it was actually number one already. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, this is, um, and the weird thing is it's like a country song pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this one's really channeling that 60s psychedelic sort of, uh, yeah. Fields like psych, 60 psychedelic rock, like garage rock, yeah. sort of band. working like, man's dead. Yeah, era. The, bass, the bass line is really cool on this one. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a more chill track on an album yeah. full of like super dry. The drums sound like something from Johnny Cash, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's got a rockabilly style to it. I've heard people talk about butthole surfers while I've been leading up to this, and they've mentioned the rockabilly style. And I don't hear it all that often, but I definitely hear it on this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everything he's, I mean, he's consistent. Gibby is a consistent as a lyricist and that really almost everything has a sense of humor. And it's like, it, yeah. when I was younger, I had kind of a snobby attitude about lyrics. I was like, well, you, you got to have some, at some point when the rubber hits the road, you got to have a serious song or two, you know, and, but not, not, not necessarily, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, no, that's that's what's great about this. You have to be able to like, laugh at it because otherwise, it's going to smack you upside the head and take your ass down. Well, what I like about this band is they sort of like, uh, like I said, I don't know that I I necessarily agree with their overall message necessarily, but I think they make a good case for this sort of strange nihilistic view of the of the world, and like the lyrics are 
mostly pretty good, but they're not, you know, they're not really channeling any like larger meaning or getting you to like look at your life in any sort of deeper way. It's like sort of like we're just going to have fun and get fucked up and, you know, like and that's all there is to it sort of vibe to the lyrics. And like a lot like a lot of these songs sort of have that sort of they're they're clever, but they're they're not necessarily saying anything deeper. They're just like kind of actually calling people out for doing that. It's kind of an interesting thing about the bubble service. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're not doing the dead Kennedys. What was that one song? Kill the landlord. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not trying to rally anybody to any sort of greater concern. They're just like you know. Yeah. I, you know, like Goofy's concern. I don't give a fuck about anything. You know, like like sort of that's their that's their sort of overall aesthetic. It feels like, yeah. Right. Um, and again, it w- it wouldn't work if the lyrics weren't as good as they were. I think that's like the interesting thing. Like they're. There's, they sort of have this really nihilistic streak, but it works because the lyrics are really clever and good. Like they're they're saying something that's interesting, even though they're kind of saying that nothing means anything. You know, like that's sort of where they're getting at with a lot of these songs. But you know, they're not they're not they're not doing that without having some sort of literary merit to like what they're singing. Yeah, right. They're kind of in the moment. Yeah, like, exactly. If, yeah. if you're good high, segue into the annoying song. Yeah, if you're if you're high or if you're like if if you know under the influence of some kind of alter, uh mind altering drug, you're in the moment. You're not yeah, reflecting yeah. on things. You're not trying to construct a, a argument against uh, <laughs> uh, some sort of yeah. I mean, issue or something. Yeah, I found it interesting when I read his biography and saw that he had stayed at Timothy Leary's house with Al Jorgensen because it's Gibby Haynes was not the like kind of guy that's like you know taking any greater meaning from tripping on psychedelic drugs he's like nah this is just for fun like everything else you know <laughs> like sort of like that's yeah. his right. yeah, yeah this is what they don't tell you about kind uh, of a home this is what, timothy larry this is what nancy yeah. doesn't tell you about mm-hmm. you know they tell you it's you know just just say no but you know what if you don't say no Could be you can fun. have a good fucking time yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah so um Okay, well, we've already mentioned it. Let's go into the annoying song. My question is, is this universally considered annoying or? I do. I consider yeah. this one annoying. Hmm. I don't know. It's my second favorite on the album. I yeah. love this song. Yeah. Like, I love this uh, song. Yeah. I just, I love the vocal effects. Like, uh, it's got this like high pitched. Sounds like um, the Pac-Man fever voice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the riff is really awesome. I, I love this. Song. I think the annoying yeah, song is great. The, it's, the it's kick drum. I like in the boom. Yeah. Boom. I, I just I, I feel like they achieved the effect they wanted to, <laughs> but but I, I did find out that uh that he that uh, Gibby uh, sang the lyrics through the guitar, um, yeah. Okay, that's that how he's doing the sound. On yeah, that? that's how he achieved the sound. Yeah, for vocal effect to the pickups of the guitar. Okay. So, um, you know, I had it ranked pretty low. But I can see I had it 16th, actually. That's really low. But, you okay. know, I, it doesn't surprise me that uh, men of eclectic tastes might find <laughs> uh, curious, you know. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just really love the, like that. You know, it's like it, and the 
and the vocal is just interesting and weird. I, I really like that song a lot. It's one of my favorites on the album, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And now for my favorite, my third favorite vacuum cleaner, the Dust Devil. Don't ever fuck with the dust devil. That's right. Yeah. Okay. The power of an upright in his goddamn hand. Does it actually say that? Yeah. In the lyrics? Yes. Oh my God, that's funny. Oftentimes I can't tell what the lyrics are saying because the music is so loud that I can't literally, I literally can't hear the lyrics. If you got Spotify up there, if you click the microphone icon, it'll show you the lyrics. Okay. And it'll save oh, okay. them if it can. Honey, you'll have to show me how to use Spotify. We'll do. Do this we have Spotify? A, we do. Okay. This this one's a good example of like why I love this album because I have it ranked number nine, right? And that feels too low when I say that out loud. Yeah. Then I, I, I feel like I, I rank this too low too. Yeah. Pound a turkey at the liquor store. But I looked at the songs <laughs> ranked above it, and I like all of them a little bit better. Like this is like just a really great song, and it's like you know midway down in the album, and for me. And it's still really fun to listen to. Really Got great, great guitar know, solo in it too. Right. Yeah. Well, it's tough. That's a good album. Makes you make these tough decisions. Mm-hmm. We're going to go see ZZ Top in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're from Houston. That's a, that's yeah. a yeah. rumor spread around. Right. Paul Leary <laughs> once said, Texas town. Right. I wish I could uh, see him with Dusty Hill, though. That kind of sucks. Oh, man. Yeah. But. I would yeah, love to see it. Dusty Hill is red, red. Just let me know. Yeah. That's the uh, the the one. Uh, who is it? The well, are was... they the ones that do the title song to the the British Gangster Show? No. Oh. No. To the oh no, you're thinking you're thinking uh, Red Right Hand red, by right Nick hand. Cave. Yeah. Oh okay, never mind. Oh yeah. Dusty Hill was there. Uh, yeah, well, nice curls. There was three members. It was a trio. You had three members of uh, ZZ mm-hmm. Top. You had yeah. Dusty Hill. Uh, Gibbons and those uh, two had beards, and then the guy named Beard did not have a beard, right? It was too obvious. I get it. But Paul Leary once said, and I guess this is a Texas thing, but he once said ZZ Top was his favorite band to an interviewer. But then he followed up by saying, I've never heard one of their songs, but I'm from Texas, so they're my favorite band. So, <laughs> so, but I actually hear a little bit of ZZ Top and Dust Devil. You know, I could I could see D- ZZ Top doing a song called Dust Devil, you know, uh, about uh, Dust you Devil. Know, yeah, just, one of those it, little rolling things. It would have to have some kind of sexual double entendre. Of course, but, because know, it's ZZ Top. Right. But, Power of an yeah. upright in his goddamn hand. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I missed that the first time around. So, yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was. It was definitely not an homage to Easy Top or anything, but I felt like that kind of tied in a little bit. And I had that like at number eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I, yeah. Which which one are we talking about? Uh, Dust Devil. Still, still, yeah, yeah. I had a nine, but yeah, it's it's you know it's a really good song. I also think like the as you make this Easy Top reference, like like I like Easy Top being from Houston, but they're not like one of my favorite bands. But they have something like completely Texan about them, and I feel like the Butthole Surfers. Like if you're from Texas, you'll like even though they don't have like a southern sort of 
they don't have any kind of southern country kind of vibe to them, but they they are thoroughly like a Texas band, like in a way that like yeah. you know, right. in a way that ZZ to Top is there. also yeah, thoroughly Texan. It's it's a it's a yeah. I I, but, yeah, I really like that about them. Yeah, as a as we know from the Blues Brothers, there's country and then there's western. This is western. <laughs> yeah, both <laughs> kinds. <laughs> Okay, Philip, leave me alone. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Number 14. You're doing great. You're doing wonderful. Thank you. Beautiful. Number 14 on Leave Me Alone. Leave Me Alone. I'm being a little obscure, apparently. You're putting me on the spot because I did not make any notes on Leave Me Alone. I'm sorry, hon. Let's let one of our esteemed guests, or, uh, or only yeah. esteemed guests, if yeah. was a host, but let's let right. Mike talk about that one first. Let, let, let anybody but him talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Leave Me Alone's a, a good song, but it, it it's it's ranked as my least favorite on the album, so it's, it's like the if I had to pick a throwaway on the album, it'd probably be this one. But like, I mean, it's, I don't think there's any throwaways on the album, but like, this is probably my, my least favorite one that there is, you know, it's, it's I, it, nothing like stood out to me in terms of my notes and, and whatnot, like on that one particularly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no lyrics for this one on Spotify and whatever lyrics there are, he's shouting them through a megaphone hmm. and yeah, I don't know what the hell he's saying. Yeah. Well, there has to be a reason it's, it's why a, it's, it's a punky, punky jam. Yeah. yeah, it's not a throwaway, like you said. We're listening to it right now. It, it rocks. I mean, it's like yeah, there's there's no throwaways on the album, but this is like you know ranked last on my list. So it's you know it's uh, and I didn't have any. I have notes on a lot of the songs. I didn't have any that that stood out to me on this one. I don't like hate it or anything, but it's just like not uh, not up there with I some of the other songs. I on ranked the song. it sixteen oh. of seventeen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have it twelve. You know. But um, yeah, I, I you know, it's it's a it's a good rock and roll song. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now we're looking at um, Edgar. Edgar, not mm-hmm. Medgar. I said Edgar. Oh, okay. Not Medgar. It's I, another mostly instrumental one. This one's got yeah. really good drums and good guitar in it. It's, it's just, not, just jams. Yeah, it's another one of those songs I haven't... Let me see where my rankings are. Uh, I think like I have it like 13th or 14th, and it's, you know, uh, maybe yeah. not quite that low, 12 or 13th, something like that. But it's 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 a great song. Like I, I, I love listening to the song, so it's like, you know... When I see that on my list, you know, I'm like, well, that should be ranked higher. And then I look at the other ones and I like them. <laughs> so it's another one of those songs that just speaks it, like the low rankings almost speak more to the strength of the album than the high rankings do, you know, because like every album has a lot of like, you know, or like not every album, but like all of the albums I love have like three or four like awesome songs on it. And I feel like this one at 12 or 13, like this song's great, you know, so. So, yeah, it's like one of those kind of tracks. Yeah. Yeah. 
we had a guest on recently, CJ Plain, bills himself as the music god. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has a, a podcast mm. called The Noise Report. It's really good. But he just did a number of interviews with, uh, I would say, some fairly prominent. Uh, he has a top 10 list, a bucket list of people he wanted to, to interview. And it, apparently he's not interviewed uh, Devin Townsend yet, which I think would probably throw him into uh, complete, complete apoplexy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he has done six out of his 10. Uh, but the one he wants... Most of all, the one that's next on his list, I guess, is David Gilmore. And the playing on Edgar reminded me just a bit of uh, David Gilmore's guitar playing. And like Paul Leary's guitar playing seems to be sort of chameleon-like, you know. And I feel like he's got the talent to go, you know, back and forth to, uh, to these different styles, the eclectic, you know, the diverse styles represented on this single album with, uh, you know, seamlessly. You know, he's able to do that. I mean, he's a really good guitarist. It kind of blows my mind, different guitarists. Like mm -hmm. Steve Vai is this like polished, absolutely commercial, you know, like uh, Franz Ferdinand or somebody. You know, he's just like completely, uh, completely finished product. But we have all these guys that are that are uh, not as famous or for mm -hmm. whatever reason that are so incredibly talented to be able to play these styles. And I think Leary is one of them. Mm hmm. So I think this reminds me of Pink Floyd a little bit, especially early Floyd, maybe. But then early Floyd wouldn't be Gilmore, would it? <laughs> nope. So. Okay. Now we come to the Ballad of the Naked Man. Naked man. Uh, uh, the uh, the humorous story here is that uh, the house directly behind ours uh, has a nudist living there, and he likes to do calisthenics right in front of his picture window, which we can see very clearly since we removed our big big old tree. Bill said he so, had to move the grill on his deck to avoid yep. the show. It's kind of a dark <laughs> thing. I went out there today, and he was peeking around the garage, and then he noticed when he saw me. Then he moved over to a more visible part of the yard where, where he's just doing his yard work or something. But he was definitely, it's weird. Alexa, stop. I mean, it's really weird. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. It's really starting to unnerve me. But it, yeah. Nonetheless, I felt like this so was. So basically, we're being stalked by Naked Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you. Well, Philip is. It's, it, oddly enough, though, I ranked this song really high. Mm -hmm. For main reason, the main reason I did is because. John Paul Jones, who's sort of, you know, I grew up loving Led Zeppelin. It was like, Aaron knows this, you know. And John Paul Jones was like part of the inner circle. Well, you know, a lot of people believe he's the most talented mm -hmm. member of Led Zeppelin. 
And uh, he played on this. He actually played on this track. So it reminds me, it sounds a little bit like something like going to California, uh, Gallows Pole, something that might appear on Led Zeppelin 3. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah it's I like the banjo in here or whatever it is. Well, it might be a mandolin. It's John a Paul Jones has is, is produced some interesting stuff uh, in terms of his like later career like production credits like he did i think one of the kings of the stone age albums uh he's he, this album is definitely very interesting and uh and it's it's yeah it's one of those interesting things like i i like led zeppelin's music i really can't stand robert plant's voice so they've never been uh like a lot of people love love them a lot and and they just like have never been one of my bands so i always feel like a little strange talking about them but i but yeah john paul jones like you know, is a pretty great bass player. Like, you know, does some pretty interesting stuff uh, musically. And yeah, yeah, was, he's definitely done some interesting uh, producer credits on out. Al- he doesn't produce a lot of albums, but the ones he produces are always, I guess, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect it out of somebody out of this like legendary rock band, right? Like some of the stuff he's produced has been kind of off the beaten path, sort of interesting, strange stuff. And and this album is sort of before the Butthole Surfers really became famous. And it's like, it's probably their best album, but it's just, you know, it's it's not as familiar as like Electric Larry Land to a ton of people who like, you know, paid attention to Butthole Surfers for 20 minutes in the 90s. You know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and John Paul Jones, he uh, he was not included when Page and Plant did their yeah. reunion in the late 90s or whatever. And he was put off by that a bit and he, he probably did have the fire in his belly to try to assert himself in other creative areas, you know, in the wake of Led Zeppelin. They said about him, like, this is coming from Gibby again, but they said about him, and I think it was a Rolling Stones interview. I could be wrong. A Rolling Stone interview. I could be wrong about that, but they said that he came across as a, a drunken old man, but that was okay because we were all wasted also. <laughs> but... um <laughs> You get the feeling that his capacity for music far exceeded somebody who was a a drunkard or, you know, somebody that, you know, he's a real, he's a, he's a, he's a uh, kind of a genius. You shouldn't leave music while being, uh, having a genius component does not necessarily compare to, say, heart surgery. I feel like Gibby could be a little cavalier in his opinion of somebody. I feel like that he exerted, John Paul Jones exerted his influence over this album. There's no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, it sounds very, like I said, it's, this is like sort of like, I think a lot of bands have these albums like that are like, you know, this is, I guess this is technically a later career album, but I feel like because they got famous shortly after this album, it's like, this is the one that really shifts from like being this uh, arty, noisy sort of rock band to like doing some stuff that's just more, you know, in the, in the hard rock sort of popular rock wheelhouse, but like it's still still thoroughly strange and butthole surfers so uh yeah this this album is like it's that great middle ground right it's not as quite as uh it's not as quite like trying to be a radio it's hit not, like some of their later lady stuff. sniff but it's but it's <laughs> yeah but it's like some of their early stuff is like really noisy and arty and out there and like you know you listen to it it's interesting but like you don't get the same like you can't like tap your foot to it and like bang your head to it sort of the same way you can this yeah. album yeah yeah so it's it's a good it's a good you know mid-career album that sort of captures all the best parts of their sounds yeah in, in my opinion and of course cleaning up the album the song clean it up 
got some zippity doodah, Godzilla, uh, and a long guitar solo. Who wants to yeah. talk about cleaning it up? I think it's the most butthole surfer song on this album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, it's one of those ones, it's like, I think it's ranked, let's see. I think I have it ranked 14th, right? So it's like down there on my list of, of songs that I really like on this album, but it's... It could still, fit on any butthole surfers. Yeah, album. it's still a really great song. It's still fun. And yeah, it, it, and yeah, you're right about that. It, it definitely has... This this one could be put on any of their albums. It's it's definitely like a pretty butthole surfers song. Yeah. I mean, like, they don't have like... I had it number nine, looks like. Like, the butthole surfers are interesting because they have this unique sound that's like anytime you hear one of their songs, you know it's one of their songs. Um, at the same time, they don't have, they have a lot of variation in the kinds of sounds they do. So they don't have like one particular sound that you're like, but this, this, this song might, might be in like, as Aaron points out, like this song might be the closest to that, right? Like it's, you know, if you were to pick a butthole surfer sound, this might be it. Yeah. Yeah. I had it, um, I had it number 15. Again, I think it's just kind of a casualty of a of a strong album. You know, it's a good jam. It's got yeah. all this kind of uh, all these like Lisa alluded to the zippity doo dah Godzilla sound. You know, it's it kind of has a a uh, mix ma mix mash of sounds. Yeah, uh, this, is the, this is their other Sonic Youth sounding song too. Yeah. But then it settles into a strong guitar, you know, solo midway point and closes out the album with it. So uh, this one has a little bit of vomit sound too, right? Oh, lovely. Well, of course, you know, the party's ending. So you've got to vomit before you get in your car and drive home. <laughs> oh, otherwise, otherwise okay. it's not safe. Yeah. I usually you guys, wait you guys to have to check out home. Lady Sniff. <laughs> There's roosters and vomiting and all kinds of weird sounds and farts. Yeah, but you hear the, the you hear the heave and then you hear the the liquid falling into the toilet like as a separate beat. So I'm 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 just gonna put it out there that this particular band is predominantly enjoyed by the male of the species. You're probably correct on that. I would think the and, fan base wise. I'm betting it would be a bit of a sausage fest at their concerts. Well, at least you haven't had a lot to say on the songs, but which one of these would be the panty dropper? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to say, um, I don't know. I'm torn. Dust Devil. Because, you know, I can imagine them cleaning. And that's just, like, super hot. <laughs> that's a great answer. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you want to get your lady a gift... There's this book called Chick Corn. You can get it at uh, any bookstore. And it's just good-looking men doing housework. <laughs> it's freaking amazing. And in fact, if you want to get your special lady a gift, get someone to take pictures of you doing housework. All right. That, I am telling you, every male listening to this podcast, all three of you, um <laughs> no just kidding um so i'm telling you men doing chores is a panty dropper you can ask him all right yes. if he really wants if he really wants to get things moving he does the dishes 
<laughs> the time he did the dishes, I was like, yes. <laughs> so they keep that book right behind the counter, or they used to with the Peter McDonald's. been married 20 years that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the, uh, what the butthole, like, like, I, I'm not sure if they're like, you know, as far as their, their appeal to men versus women, I guess they have a lot of toilet humor. So that's, that might be a more man kind of thing, but like, I don't know that I, I still remember. So, so this album's great. And this is like my favorite album, but like, this might be giving myself away a little bit, but in high school, when we used to skip school and trip acid, like we would listen to revolution part two, which has this like long part at the end that just goes, Gary Shandling, Gary, Gary Shandling. And it was like, <laughs> it was, right fun to listen to while you're tripping and like uh yeah they're, they're just I, like could, I could get into that weird. if i yeah. took acid yeah they're just a, they were just a weird band that appeared appealed to like weird kids and i yeah i just yeah. liked them a lot yeah yeah the gary shandling thing was awesome yeah, yeah. I mean, what's your uh what's your rankings what's your number one type them in here you asking uh, me or Phil? Yes, I've got, Mike. I got Phil's in already. He already has yeah, Phil's. Okay, okay. So yeah, so my rankings. Right. Uh, number one, I have Goofy's Concern, which I put with Chew and George Lucas's Chocolate. I kind of consider them the same track. Uh, number two, I have the Annoying Song. Number three, I have Who Was in My Room Last Night. Number four, uh, Some Dispute Over T-Shirt Sales. Number five, Alcohol. Number six, Strawberry. Number seven, Wooden Song. Number eight, Tongue. Uh, number nine, Dust Devil. Number 10, Ballad of Naked Man. Number 11, Edgar. Number 12, Dog Inside My Body. Number 13, Clean It Up. Number 14, Dancing Fool. Number 15, You Don't Know Me. And, and number 16, Leave Me Alone. All right, so we got to have a, this, this is a dramatic moment of this podcast. This is where we announce the, the banger. Of the podcast. Yeah, we've got the banger. Are you ready for it? I think we're so. ready. And now for the banger of the album. It is Goofy's concern. Well well that that their song right there is a real banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. It's a banger. Oh wow. Wow. Followed by yeah. the Ballad of Naked Man, and number three, Who Was in My Room Last Night. Actually, it was a tie for second and third, Naked Man and In My Room. Tie for fifth and sixth, Alcohol and the Wooden Song. So Seventh is the Annoying Song. <laughs> Eighth and ninth, a tie for Dust Devil and Strawberry. Mm. Tenth, Some Dispute Over T-Shirt Sales. Eleventh and Twelfth, Tongue. 13th, Dog Inside Your Body, 14th, Edgar, 15th, Clean It Up, 16th, Chewing George Lucas's Chocolate, although got to put an asterisk there because um, um, Mike didn't technically rank that one. Yeah. Uh, 17, Dancing Fool, 18, Leave Me Alone. Nice. Well done, Lise. All right. Holy crap. You got us here in an hour and... 13 minutes. It's fantastic. Well, I believe that I have to uh, give at least some credit to the gentleman who um, kept things interesting and succinct. 
So thank you, gentlemen. For sure. Yeah, this, your this thing. Was fun. Thanks. I, I really like the I, re, I really like this album. I appreciate y'all, you know, indulging me uh, to do to yeah. do this one. I hope y'all enjoyed listening yeah. to it as well. I, uh, I swear, this popped into my head as a possibility to do like two days before you mentioned it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the record, I really like it. Someday we're going to do an episode where we rank all the Aaron's audio edibles and come up with you know, know. the best. But uh, we only got like nine now, so we'll have to let that yeah. build a little bit more. Right, but right, uh, right. Mike, do you want to uh, promote anything? Um, yeah, I've got my my book uh, is still out on Madville Publishing, as Lisa mentioned earlier in the in the episodes called Judgment Day and Other White Lies. Uh, it came out in February twenty twenty one, and then I have uh, you know this this local band I'm doing. If you're in Houston, Texas, or anywhere nearby, big fan. coming up in the near future but you know we will be out playing about we just recorded a six song ep that should be out we're still just waiting on the sound engineer to finish you know his final mixes and mastering so we're, we're pretty close to putting that out as well so yeah well, i have cool. to say you, you've given us uh, a couple of tastes of those uh recordings and uh they rock out man they're really good yeah, uh, yeah. i mm-hmm. could if i if i were in texas or houston i would definitely check that out sure yeah yeah, we played last weekend with a with a sort of famous Houston punk band called Bickley that uh, you might not really know them outside of Houston, but when they're in Houston, they pack the house and they sing sort of foul, funny anthems like, I want to <laughs> fuck the pink power rangers. <laughs> like, you know, like, but yeah, uh-huh. we played with them last weekend and they were, they were fun. Uh, it was a fun show. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have some like well-known local bands. The main Yeah. Years. Um. Uh, uh. The uh. Raisins. No. Um. Uh, what's his name? Uh, from uh, Vacation. The Sun. What's the name from Vacation? The oh, Sun. Uh, uh, band. The Rusty. The Gris- Rusty Griswolds. Yeah. Rusty. Okay. They're very. They're very popular around here. The Rusty Griswolds. Okay. Yeah. Aaron probably remembers some from back in the the late eighties. Yeah. And... They pay. They play yeah. a lot Don't, of our. Not festivals. familiar with the Rusty Griswolds. Mm. But yeah, I am familiar with the menus. They're still going. I remember we saw the menus down uh, where Paul Brown stayed. They used to have a club there that had like like uh, new wave music up top and, and rock and roll the bottom floor. I don't know how that worked, but I remember seeing them there. Sound uh, proofing? Yeah. Thank you for Goofy's concern. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I love the, that song in particular. I just have to say again, like, I love the like, the way that guitar riff falls out at the end, it's like, duh, duh, duh. you know, that way that's, yeah. that he hangs on that note and it falls out and then it's like just this really driving. Yeah, that, that's a really great, that, I mean, it was ranked my number one, but I, I really love that song. Yeah. Had, had I done a ranking, that would have been my number one as well because Goofy's my favorite dog. I could hear I could hear Johnny Rotten saying, I wish I had thought of that, or John Lydon. Yeah. I'm absolutely convinced I Goofy. I, I'm actually gotten with John Paul Jones based and... on the Irish setter. <laughs> well, and to me, it's it's also sort of like 
they're fun lyrics they're good lyrics but it's like also sort of just the over overall like butthole surfers aesthetic is like yeah. like i don't give a fuck about anything i think sums up what they <laughs> what they what they do in their music yeah i think if i was to recommend two other butthole surfer songs from prior to this yeah to to best illustrate the butthole surfers they would be lady sniff and florida yeah oh yeah you brought up lady sniff more than once you're on that you're, you're hot on that one yeah so. florida is a good one too yeah now the flaming lips covered florida but they changed the lyrics actually it was um seven nation army but they used the lyrics of florida in it okay Moving oh i love down to florida gonna bowl myself a perfect game yeah it's like going to florida yeah it's interesting like the flame lips list the butthole surfers as an influence but i feel like the flame lips are much more in the like their songs are full of like actual revelations that might be you know yeah helpful to you you know like like the butthole surfers are doing revelations but not in a like yeah, they're, they're going probably to kind the of, good witch yeah <laughs> the butthole yeah, surfers kind of, are the, yeah. the wicked witch of the west yeah, they, they. I mean, they bring you to realizations They're that are interesting. Like, like it's hard to argue with a lot of their their lyrics when they when they are getting into their more serious kind of stuff. But like, you know, they're a band that like I don't I don't want their aesthetic to be the thing that like I'm preaching to people, right? Like, you know, like yeah. I think you could do better than that. But at the same time, like, it's hard to argue with a lot of their logic behind <laughs> the things that they say, which I think is like one of the fun things about them. Yeah, yeah, definitely a fun band. I'll give you that, man really fun fun lyrics fun music you know yeah yeah and gibby haynes is obvious like as you mentioned it's like he, he can be twacked out of his mind and still be super what was the uh you said it's the politically inter- <laughs> it, still, i think the politically incorrect episode that he was on you know it's like yeah he can yeah he can be like the the smartest person in the room while also pretty twacked out of his mind you know so he's, he's obviously in what he could have done while sober yeah. So we Maybe had less. somebody on recently that said that Texans, one thing Texans are known for is they're very proud of being Texans. Even Gibby, who you think is irreverent and would reject that type of thing, he pointed out during that episode that, you know, the origins of Texas music and the Austin scene and stuff like that. He pointed that out. And he also talked about the appropriation of, you know, blues and black music by modern artists so i thought that was curious you know it was like he, he took on some like everybody like weird al we love weird al but he had nothing to say in that episode but yeah. gibby Which, Haynes, what, what episode was that politically incorrect uh, yeah i found it i found it interesting that they appeared paired profiting off other people's work yeah i could see why weird al wouldn't talk about <laughs> well like yeah well i thought it was an interesting choice to pair weird al and gibby Haynes together because i think they're both sort of uh and Gibby Haynes is doing something of his, you know, he's not parodying stuff, but like I think Weird Al and Gibby Haynes have a sort of Weird Al has like the good both, guy kind of a both irreverent, of, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, he 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 definitely was, in, in my opinion, the smartest person on that episode. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched like half of it. I think he was the smartest one on that episode, made the most salient points, but you know, yeah, you know, the day, I mean, like the butthole servers kind of like you know, when they when they finally decided to go mainstream they made like almost like an overproduction of the fact like we're selling out and we're cool with this and we like it, you know, but like, yeah. 
but like they almost made selling out like an active rebellion at a time when like a lot of bands were like trying to avoid being considered one of the people that sold out. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna make this. And we got to find out who's buying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were they were fun. Also, uh, I wanted to mention I read in like an article that they apparently uh, had some briefcase. I don't know how it ended up with Jimmy Carter, but they gave a briefcase to Jimmy Carter and his daughter that they had touched their dicks with. <laughs> like, you know, like they did some funny. Uh, That's hilarious. Funny stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. I'm fine with Jimmy, but did you have to bring the kid into it? <laughs> She's probably a full grown adult. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. By then. yeah. Right. But she was like 12 when he was in the White House. Yeah, this was after he was president. But yeah, it was, it's oh, okay. It was yeah, yeah as long was, as she was over sixteen, I'm okay. The kind of the kind of stuff they did was just you know, like they were they were also notorious for having really rowdy live shows. I, I don't know if you remember, like they got into some heat from when they became famous. They they used to do this at their shows all the time. Gibby would like bring a shotgun and fire it at the crowd, like with blanks or whatever, and. uh then they got huge and they did that in Dallas and it started a riot basically. Like he brought a shotgun out and pretended like he was shooting people in the audience. And it's, right. I saw something when I was looking yeah. up uh, stuff for this and I clicked on the uh, the link. It, the link was like uh, uh, Butthole Surfers uh, lead singer fires rifle over crowd or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I got to read this and I can, the link was dead. It was like it gave me a four or four message or something. Yeah, I want to say that was in Dallas. Like it was like right after like that song Pepper came out, which was their radio hit. Yeah. Uh yeah, they were all in love with they were doing it in Texas, that song. Yeah. Uh and yeah, and like and like, yeah, it's like one of those things Gibby Haynes used to do on a regular basis at their like, you know, small club shows and he brought a shotgun to like this arena show and fired it into the crowd and uh and it caused a you know yeah. Oops. That gets your a attention. riot of yeah of certain proportions yeah and like and then he was like well I've always done this you know he's kind of like unapologetic about it and you know the right. media sort of had a had a I mean they were also like wanting to scare people over a band called the Butthole Surfers becoming famous in the first place so they were like they're just an, yeah. they're they are they're just an interesting act that's really to me they're the they're really Butthole Surfers yeah they're really emblematic of like you know. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time, you know, but like occasionally in music, I think it happened in the 60s to some degree. And, and then in the 90s, again, it's like occasionally the really off the beaten path stuff gets to be the most popular stuff. And they're, you know, right. Uh, you know, like Nirvana was the biggest band in the world. And it's still kind of a strange thing because they, you know, they were like a sludgy, grungy band that was like, you know, emblematic of a lot of the bar band stuff that was going on at the times. And the butthole surface are like sort of. Also in that, you know, it's yeah. weird that a band named the Butthole Surfers who did a lot of drugs and had weird <laughs> songs became famous at all, you know? And so it was like only during that that strange, you know, three, four, five year period that that yeah. could have happened, you know? It's like there's only been a few of those periods in music history. So I think uh, yeah. Lollapalooza probably spread their name a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, they talk about, um, you know, the different everybody wants to try to break down the different uh, uh, eras of music and types of music and, and kind of put everyone in a, in a different category. But, you know, when you Not just listen, can be when you just listen to the artists at various times, they'll say, well, we're doing this for effect. We're trying to shock people. We're trying to, 
you know, it's a bit common theme with rock and roll is to be threatening, mm-hmm. whether you're threatening or at least social shocking. norms mm-hmm. or you're threatening, you're not, phys- you know, it's art. You're not physically threatening people, but I mean, you are threatening, you know, misconceptions or things that, that are not right with society. So, I mean, I, I hear it well, like, you know, we did that uh, Susie and the Banshee thing. Well, Susie says, you yeah. know, a lot of her stuff was intended to shock people, you know, to, to threaten you know the status right yeah so yeah it's uh there's a there's a story in this rolling stones article that i pulled up uh that's that that says that he was in uh rehab with kurt cobain and tried to be his roommate but kurt cobain did not want to be roommates with Gibby Haynes, so uh he was disappointed yeah i can see that kurt was wasn't he kind of withdrawn an introvert maybe he just didn't want a roommate at all this guy was probably yeah. Haynes was probably kind of a lot. You yeah. Know? Also, Susie and the Banshees also on the first Lollapalooza tour. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I heard a story. It's like somebody mm-hmm. who uh, who was in like uh, somebody who who'd run across uh, Gibby Haynes and like sort of the recovery community back in the day. He was talking about like he liked to he he had a drawer that he filled with carpet and he would like crush up his crack in the drawer and like dig for it in the carpet and he called it carpet farming and that was like one of his favorite things to do so uh he was apparently pretty pretty far gone pretty far out there uh yeah yeah that sounds yeah like out there but, yeah. yeah that's the magic word there uh crack yeah <laughs> that's 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 where everybody yeah but he, he liked the fiending aspect of it that was like kind of his thing like he wanted to fiend for stuff it was like a weird you know weird thing about him which which actually kind of sounds like it matches the personality of the songs like even though it's kind of dark and you know yeah. ugly to think about you know but like it kind of matches kind of what he does you know like he's he's not uh he's not trying to go for any greater sense of meaning or purpose he's just sort of like i'm gonna get fucked up and write these interesting clever songs about it that don't necessarily mean anything greater like you know like yeah so thanks for joining us well, it's nice talking to y'all again uh, good to see you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll, Lots we'll of fun, have to do another one. Thanks, soon. Phil and Lisa. Yeah. Have a good one. Good night. Good night. Good night. It's social. Twitter. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh huh. Pod. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Yeah.